0: The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network.
1: Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers, taking your calls, and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's me, Matt Slick, listen to Matt Slick Live. It is a nice Friday, the thirteenth. Friday the 13th so what does that mean I'll tell you what that means Whew. after a minute or two what the uh, I believe the custom is where it came from and so uh, if you want to give me a call all you got to do is dial 8772072276 and I want to hear from you please give me a call you can also uh, email me at info at we have uh, we have a couple of uh, emails waiting from yesterday we'll get to those So if you want to, you can email me, info at karm.org, instead of calling in on the show, and I can hopefully get to your question and uh, deal with it. So let's see, let's see, let's see. we got so much stuff going on. Okay. All right. Yeah, spent a lot of time working on some stuff today with the uh, part of the staff, and, man, I'll tell you, tech can be good and tech can be bad. Oh, man, there was some... I was like okay i'm done i'm just not going to deal with this anymore Have you ever had that happen yeah i'm a tech guy and i was frustrated so trying to get our carm phones going and oh man the system you just can't get it to work i want to build a habit so that everybody on staff can access the same uh carm uh phone thing from their computers and respond and things like that and you'd just be amazed at how difficult uh things can be but that's just life it's with ministry when you've got to figure it out yourself it can become a little bit, let's say, uh, like banging your head against a wall and uh, and stuff. So you can pray for us about that. All right. Now, let's see. We have five open lines, 877 And uh, what we often do here on uh, YouTube, on YouTube, on CARM Radio, um, is to uh, do hate mail on, on Fridays. We haven't done it for I think a few weeks I don't know so I thought I would do some because let's see nobody's calling in and we got some other stuff there so uh, that's what I'm gonna do get you some hate mail now if you're new to the show and you're thinking hate mail (laughs) yeah hate mail Uh, I don't know what it is but uh, I enjoy hate mail more than I do love mail I do get love mail occasionally oh thanks for the site and thanks for the ministry I appreciate that I really do it's nice, nice to be appreciated. But um, I, for some reason, I enjoy the uh, I enjoy the hate mail more. I just think they're more fun. And so, what I'm going to do is read some. I know that people in the text like to hear that, like to hear some hate mail. That reminds me. For those who missed the Bible study last night, I did have a Bible study and I set everything up. But um, we almost always have a, a slight tech problem um, getting things ready. And but, but get this, this oh man so everything was fine it was one of those rare nights we're getting you know the the computer ready and people are coming in and um for the study and there was one problem and it wasn't a tech problem for the computer and the internet so i could do the bible study online also one of our smoke alarms started going off and like two hours earlier and i spent 40 minutes trying to get it to stop beeping and i couldn't do it and i tried everything and looked at directions i couldn't get it to go and so we then some guys got there for the bible study so we're spending our time working on that because it's beeping and it's like driving, driving me crazy and others crazy and we finally got it going so a couple of guys got in there and they just happened to hit the right combo of whatever it was so because of that i when i finally got to the tech issue of getting the the Bible study online, I had to frantically hit these buttons. I think I hit the wrong button and uh, and stuff. It was displayed on Rumble and on uh, something. I don't know. Maybe Laura can tell, but uh, we did it. Whew, all of that. How about that? I'm just going to jump on the air here and get to Clay from North Carolina because, wait, wait, why not? Hey, Clay, welcome. You're on the air.
0: Well, top of the fan table this Friday to you, brother Matt. Uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, I hope and pray that you were having a blessed New Year so far. Even though we're huh. into the thirteenth day, so yeah. I am all <laughs> about going to Christmas. I am all about going to Christmas Eve services, and okay. I went to three, uh, you know, Christmas of last year, and yeah. I, I really get to into it because you know I tell people I'm like think about the first six letters of saying Merry Christmas especially when it comes to Christ-ness. So I went to this first one, and I got to hear a wonderful pastor preach about having a vigil at Christmas with Jesus. And so, you know, got into the thing about, you know, talking about how Angel Gabriel and, you know, how Mary was approached. And, you know, Mary was talking about, well, how can this happen I'm a virgin? So then I go to the second Christmas Eve service, and I did not hear that. I heard um, something completely different that really, really—I uh, uh, won't say rocked me to the core—but I just didn't care for the way it was introduced. Um, they talked about the same thing, but when they got to Mary's questioning of the situation, um, it brought out having sexual relations. That really—wait,
1: wait wait, 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 well, hold on, hold on, hold on, well. Let me, let me ask <laughs> some clarifying questions. You, I'd be careful what you say because children are in cars and stuff. Um, so I'm going gonna, gonna to talk about this in general terms. Are you saying that one of the preachers said that there was uh, that issue, coitus, uh, with Mary in order to produce Jesus?
0: Well, okay, um, I, I really have, I, I, you know, all the years that I have been in church, I have gone to Bible study, prayer meetings, especially Christmas Eve, I have always instilled in my heart that Mary, well, you know... Well, hold on, hold on. i just ask you the question.
1: Did you did you say that at one of the services, that's what's happened? That a preacher they, said they,
0: that? The, yes. The, the, that the, before... It was red,
1: but, okay, Let me ask you, before red, or after... Hold on, let me ask you a question. Hold on. It, it was, the, was it... Did he say that this occurred after the birth of Jesus or before?
0: Well, this is where they're talking. I'm not quite sure, Brother Matt. This is where that the the, um, the angel is before Mary, and um, you are going to be blessed and have a child. And Mary's Mary's uh, they're questioning, "How can this happen when I have not had sexual relations?"
1: Uh, Just just say it this way, have not known my husband. Just say it that way so that uh, we don't have to worry about kids in the car, okay? Okay? Okay. Okay. Now, I still am not understanding, so I'm going to ask a specific question. Did the preacher, the one that you're concerned about, say that she knew Joseph before the, the birth of Jesus, or was it after?
0: Um... I don't, I don't recall that. All I know is they were reading. It, it was a Christmas Eve service, and it was, they were reading uh, lessons and singing carols. And they go into the lesson about where the angel is before Mary, and Mary is. Uh, okay, all the but stuff you that said but
1: <laughs> I'm so confused. So I don't understand what the problem is. You said they were talking about stuff. Okay, well <laughs> so. If you could say it in one or two sentences. And use the word, you know, knowing instead of that other, just for the children in the car. What do you, what's the issue? I'm, I'm, I'm just not getting it. Try it again.
0: I'm not used to hearing uh, the words that I heard when they read it because it was read, one of the people that read one of the lessons. And I'm not used to hearing those two words that I shared with you. And ah. I understand it,
1: Okay, so then you're saying that they were reading the text and said that that did not happen. He did not have uh, that those two words (laughs) relations. Well,
0: I mean that's what that Mary's you know it talks about in the in the first that Mary's a virgin. But then when the second Christmas Eve service that I went to, that was not mentioned. It mentioned those two words. Yes, but I'm asking. I'm not meaning. am not meaning to so, confuse you. I'm just trying. I am I'm just so trying confused. To get a okay,
1: hold on. So, look, they never had relations uh, until after Jesus was born. Okay, after that, they had relations and other children. That's all. So, so Jesus was was
0: more than likely before.
1: No relations before his birth.
0: That, and, they, and it wasn't no relations. It was the uh, six-letter word that runs with X. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so they didn't have relations until after the birth of Jesus, okay? That was it. They had relations afterwards, no problem. So she was a virgin the whole time. And then afterwards, because it says in Matthew one twenty-five, he kept her a virgin until Jesus was born, until and that's just as simple as what it means. So they didn't okay, have any relations before that.
0: It's, it's confusing to me when you hear a church introduce two specific words and saying, "Well, Mary was a virgin." I'm trying to get a better understanding of that. Like why I don't.
1: I don't know what they were saying. So, so okay. I'm so confused.
0: Is, is there a, is there a way I can get a hold of you off the air or anything like that?
1: <laughs> yes. You can just call the office and or leave a message to try to get a hold of stuff, something like that. But um uh yeah, so look, here's here's the official doctrine, okay? Uh, Mary and Joseph had no relations at all. Period. Jesus was born of the virgin Mary after he was born, then they had relations. Okay. I know a lot of people don't like that, okay. but they, you know, that's what the Bible that's what I believe the Bible teaches. I mean he said he kept your virgin until Jesus was born. What does that mean? You know, okay. what do you just think? So
0: Right. Okay. I completely understand it. It just threw me off balance when I hear something like that when I'm used to hearing you know, something specific and something that's talked about in the Bible.
1: Well, I don't know what it was specifically. Maybe you could email me and say this is what was said exactly here and exactly there, and then we can get to it. Because I'm, I'm not understanding the problem. I mean, I don't know what the one guy said that caused you to uh, raise your eyebrows, if you used. You know,
0: well, it was know. it was a woman. It was a woman that read
1: the scripture. <laughs> but it's okay. Wait, was the, was the woman in the pulpit reading the scripture?
0: Yes, ma'am. I mean, yes, sir. Yes. There was a woman that read this lesson from the Gospel of Luke about the situation.
1: Okay. Did she preach? Did she give a sermon?
0: She read one of the lessons from it, and, and see, that's what I was going to say. But if did she did she give the
1: sermon? That's what I'm asking. Did she, she give? More. No, she did not. Okay, so she just read the scriptures. I don't think any big deal with her reading the scriptures. But uh, she's not supposed to give a sermon well, or being...
0: Uh, I'm sorry, what? You're breaking up.
1: You're breaking up. What?
0: She read off sheets of paper that were directed in the part of what they were trying to introduce as the lessons for, um, okay.
1: you know... I, Clay, I'm not following you. I'm not following you. So
0: okay.
1: maybe you could write it out and send it to me in an email. That would be good. Info at karm.org. And I can take a look. And so... Because okay, I'm, will, I'm getting conflicting comments, and it it's confusing me, so I'm not sure, you know, what uh, what the thing is. Okay.
0: okay. I understand, and I'm, I'm not meaning to confuse you. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a better understanding of what it means, and I, I will send that to you. And sure. And maybe you can um, watch, watch the, what I'm talking about.
1: Sounds good. No problem.
0: Brother, All right. I, thanks a lot. There's, there's, there's the break. Okay. I'm God bless, brother. You for confusion. You got that, so
1: it's okay. It happens a lot with people. They do that. Okay. Hey, so there you go. There you go. All right, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Wide open lines. Give me a call. 877 207 We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. All right. Okay, I'm going to tell you about uh, Friday the 13th at the bottom of the hour and where it came from. But for now, now I want to do some hate mail. And uh, I'm in the boot for hate mail. We have nobody waiting. So if you want to give me a call, 877 207 Two two seven six. So here it goes. That's going to be hate mail. Now, for those of you who are new to this show, okay, I get a lot of hate mail. And um, over the years, I've had death threats. I've been swatted, threatened with this. Satan's going to kill me and my family. I've had uh, emails. I've, I've been followed in, in uh, cars. Just a lot of stuff, okay? And I, I got some issues because I like hate mail. I really like hate mail. If I get a praise mail, it's like, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's really good. But I enjoy hate mail. So let's get into one of them. Let's see. This has been my second email to you, Matthew. Now my name officially is Matthew, and the only one who <laughs> would ever call me Matthew was my mom when I was in trouble. So this guy's either tuning into the mom thing. Uh, let's see. It doesn't say it's a guy or a girl. I'm gonna assume it's a. I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna say a guy. So he's probably tuning into the mom, Matthew. I guess. Somehow my mom would say that a lot around me. I don't know what it was. Anyway, so why not at least reply to me personally? What are you and your organization so afraid of? I, this is all I'm seeing in this email. I don't even know what the context is. He goes on. He says, uh, uh, being proven wrong and made complete fools of? <laughs> is that what you're afraid of? <laughs> no, I do that on my own. I don't need any help. Uh, let's see. Uh no, I know what it is. Oh good. This is this is fresh to me, so I'm enjoying this. So apparently this guy wrote uh and Matthew and he wants me to run personally and uh that our organization is afraid of being uh, proven wrong and made complete fools. Oh boy. And he knows the reason why I won't respond to him. Oh boy. This is from a few years ago, so I don't know if we did or didn't. So here goes. Okay. Uh, let's see. The reason you continually attack. Oh, now I get it. Pastor Murray is you're afraid of him. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Andrew uh, Murray was. He's a wacko. Uh, he passed away, but he's a wacko uh, preacher teacher and uh, teaches. Uh, the serpent seed doctrine and raptures false and all kind of stuff. And I did a lot of research on him and spoke on him about him. And I offered to, to debate him in public. Never heard anything. I asked, a sent questions to them. Can you please answer these questions? so We know exactly what your position is. Never heard back. You know, I, I contacted, did what I'm supposed to be doing, my due diligence. And, um, so I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the guy. You know, I wasn't then. Uh, but this guy goes, because you're afraid of him. Now, here's the thing you become like the one you follow. That's true, and Murray I actually have a recording of him uh saying uh here take this gun to that guy or this man or that fellow, but uh he he actually talked about it and it's on- it's recorded that when somebody got up and said, You're a heretic for teaching this he there was a uh he heard some sound rustling, and then he said, Take this gun to that guy I mean it was seriously, it was like what?" And so this is who this guy is, and he would talk down to uh, people who didn't agree with him. So this, his followers do the same thing, all right. So that's how, I used to be able to tell him right away. You know, you think you're so smart, you're so stupid, you don't know what you're doing. And I go, that's a Murray follower, and I'll be right most of the time. Let's see. Uh, he goes on. You and others like yourself get your theology from seminary schools. I do. I do. I didn't know that. I thought I got it from the Bible. I thought I got it from my hundreds and thousands of hours of studying the Word of God. In Greek, in the New Testament, studying, debating, teaching, reviewing, going through the Word of God, the Word of God. I thought that's what I did. Why? But no, the correct answer is I got all of it from my seminary. I did go to seminary, okay, and uh, yeah, so uh, which is so outdated, and pathetic what what a blanket statement of ignorance and its seminary schools so outdated and pathetic wow he just in one sentence condemned all seminaries wow this guy is really something tell me matthew would you have driven away john the baptist because he hadn't attended seminary <laughs> Wow, what a dumb thing to ask. Uh, uh, sorry, John the Baptist, you to go to seminary. <laughs> go away. <laughs> oh, man. Seminaries are late inventions. Uh, so, uh, boy. Uh, or Saint Matthew. Oh, at least he's the uh, word saint in front of my name. Or Luke or John. <laughs> man. And please prove to me there is a rapture by other means than using First Thessalonians chapter 4. <laughs> This is awesome. This is awesome. First Thessalonians four is where the rapture is taught. Okay, that's what it teaches. It teaches the rapture. We who are alive are made of a kind of the gutter to meet them in the air and all this kind of stuff. That's the rapture. He goes, prove to me the rapture, but just don't use those verses. Okay, but, but you prove it to me, but you can't go to where it's where it's taught. Oh yeah yeah. Okay, and document the so-called rapture theory outside of first Thess- first Thessalonians four seventeen, which I just quoted. Okay, document outside of that. It's so, it's, it's so stupid. Okay, I'm sorry, but I've had a good time. I'm loving this. He's saying good. <laughs> oh, man. It's like saying, prove to me Jesus changed water into wine. You just can't use John chapter 2 where he did it. Okay, put aside. You prove it to me, stupid. <laughs> what? This is the kind of thing. So uh, prove to me there's a rapture, but don't <laughs> don't use where the rapture is taught. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's because the Murray guy taught the rapture wasn't true. He, he couldn't argue his way for wet paper parasy Okay, he goes on. This guy goes on. Because that just doesn't cut it for me. You mean <laughs> where it says it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, an actual documentation, please.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. You know, when you get stuff like this, you just have to appreciate the inane persiflage that is coming forth you know I do not think you understand the words that are coming out of your mouth and so uh this is whacked he goes on one more one more no two sentences more biblical documentation documentation other than first thessalonians but <laughs> I await your reply okay well keep waiting buddy because that's where it's taught among other places but that's it okay here's another one I'm enjoying this. I like hate mail. You can tell. I hope you guys are enjoying me enjoying hate mail. All right. I haven't read this, so I'm gonna go. Here it goes. It says uh, Dear Sirs and Madams, despite the fact that you attempt you that you attempt present yourself as an objective Christian website, I find it a flagrantly disingenuous claim since you lump in Roman Catholicism in the same text line with Islam Jehovah's Witnesses or Wicca. No, actually it's not or, it's and. It should be and, because I do it with all of them. Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Wicca, and Roman Catholicism. They all teach false gospels. Yes, they do. Okay, anyway, let me go on. Since I was raised a Baptist and have been a Roman Catholic for eight years, I know only too well the the protest-ant personality cult that passes for pristine Christianity. That's a personality cult. Let me tell you about something. Anybody who'd follow a guy named Slick on the radio, you got problems, okay? There's no personality (laughs) cult unless you like hearing hate mail. Now, if you like hearing hate mail, that's obviously because you're so intelligent. But, uh, you know, I mean, come on, pristine Christianity? Certainly not Catholicism. Uh, Okay, there's the break. When we get back to the break, I'm going to tell you from what I understand where Friday the 13th came from, and why it's considered bad. We'll be right back after these messages, and then we'll continue with some hate mail. It's Matt Slick Live! Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Hey, welcome back. Now, uh, if you want to give me a call, five open lines, eight seven seven two zero seven right, Friday the 13th. So I, each Friday the 13th, I kind of tell the story uh, where I, I've heard historically it began. The Jews were in Egypt under bondage, and they were freed on the 14th of Nisan, the 14th of Nisan which occurred at sundown, on sundown, which is, let's just say, 6 p.m., the uh, Egyptian calendar, the day would change at midnight, later in the evening. So, for the Egyptians, it was the 13th between, let's just say, 6 p.m. and midnight. It It was still the 13th, would change at midnight, this kind of thing. And the Jews, uh, by the time 6 p.m. came around, it was sundown, then uh, it was now the 14th, and that's when the angel of death came over. Ooh, interesting. So it looks like the angel of death on the, on Nisan on the 14th was Friday the 13th for um, uh, them. I've heard that. i got to check out to see if that's true. It's interesting. I've, no one said it's not true, but I don't know. So I've got to check it out. all right, all right. All right. Now, um, so we don't have any callers waiting, and uh, I'm going to do some more of this one hate mail, and then I'm going to get to some because I know we have some emails coming in or we had some you know, stuff. So this is what this person again, This is what Catholicism says, okay? Or this guy who's a Catholic. Now, he says, uh, "You say you have no pope or bishop, yet what else would Billy Graham and others be de facto?" Well, what? Uh, he was not our pope. We don't hold of that. And uh, he goes, I feel like I was raised by cultists, not Christians. You interpret the Bible according to your own lights. Yeah, blue light is really good. No matter how uninformed by credible scholars it happens to be, take no regard for historical context and adamantly refuse to accept anything by the church fathers who are historical fact and were the leaders of the only Christian church for the least, for at least five, fifteen hundred years until Martin Luther came along. So... this person is just ill-informed. It's often the case. Uh, You know, all credible scholars, all the church fathers taught the same thing. They did not. This is just someone who's uh, just believing, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid. He says it was the protesters, which is what you are by your own admission, who took books out of the Old Testament that had always been there. No, that's not true. They were never added. They were added in 1546 by the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. There's actually lists of books by the church fathers that don't include the apocryphal books. So anyway, uh, it's time you took a page from the Roman Catholic book. Which one? Which heresy book do you want me to take a a, a, a page out of? Uh, And started practicing the kind of tolerance that we've always practiced towards you. That is a flat-out lie. That is a lie. This guy has no clue. The Catholic Church murdered hundreds of thousands of people when it was in power. Uh, and you can go to Fox's Book of Martyrs and you can read account after account after account where the Roman Catholic Church tortured, murdered, killed all kinds of people who left the Catholic Church and became Protestants. And so they were exceedingly intolerant. This is a fact. In fact, before that even happened, you were not allowed to have a Bible. And only the church could tell you what it meant and could interpret it. You are not allowed to disagree with the papacy, etc. And so the person says, uh, you start practicing the kind of tolerance that we've always practiced towards you. That is just nothing. The person has no clue. C.S. Lewis books are are sold in Catholic bookstores and used in teaching the catechism, not because they're superior, but because we believe he had many good things to bring up i wouldn't ever have roman catholic stuff in my library in a church unless it was in the false doctrine section so people could research to date i have never ever i have never ever seen this reciprocated on the part of per- protesting churches because we believe in the truth of the bible not the catholic church that's why he goes on despite the fact that someone like saint thomas aquinas is generally regarded as one of the greatest apologists and one of the greatest thinkers in western civilization yeah he was not to mention saint uh, teresa of avila john blah 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 if you're really that the tolerant protesters you'd like to pretend you are man this is a condescending insulting email you know if you're like, like that would you pretend to be. What an insult, you know. It clearly are not. You would be featuring these writings in your church. Boy, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Sometimes, you know, I, I like the kind of uh, hate mail that's kind of mixed with ness. But when someone's just arrogantly condemning, you well, know, come on, that's just not good. All right, let's see. Uh let's see. Uh okay that's good praise God for Andrew uh, got a new social worker etc like that that's good let's see let me get in here because I got some uh, emails I want to get to Hey, if you want to give me a call all you gotta do is dial 87720 72276 you can do that alright um, last night I had a verbal exchange with a, a YouTube atheist uh, he mentioned that he debated you and claimed that you didn't believe in categorical imperatives. That's something out of Kant. And ay, 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 ay. anyway, that your morality consists of hypothetical imperatives only. No, it does not. So a hypothetical imperative is a type of ought that can only be derived from a person's goals, wants, desires, aversions. No, I don't hold to that. Essentially, he claimed that your moral realism consisted of "I want X, I ought to do Y." That's ridiculous. Uh, Okay, if I want to avoid hell divine punishment, I ought not murder. No, that's not what it is. I know who this guy is talking about, and uh, it's pretty frequent that atheists misrepresent me. What I've noticed when I debate, this happens, impromptu discussions, you know, disagreements. It's very, very common that people don't listen to what I say. I generally pick my words very carefully. Sometimes I I make mistakes, of course, and I'll recant. I'll say, oh, I didn't mean to say it that way. It didn't come out right. And I'll quickly uh, correct it. But for the most part, I really pick my words very carefully. And I've noticed it happens within uh, for Christians as well as non-Christians that they will often uh, repeat what they heard, not what I said. That means they're listening for something else you are not listening to what I'm actually saying. And I've had to repeat many times the things I've said. I have even written out statements that I, I will say in a certain situation, literally written them out, and then read it, and then listen to them misrepresent what I said, and then I'll read it again. And they'll say, I thought you said this first time. I go, yes, it was. I was exactly reading. I said, this is what I did. I got a sentence. And I read it to you. You know, And a lot of times I'll write down what they say and then I'll, I'll, I'll argue from what they said. And they go, "That's not what I said. Yes, you did, I wrote it down. <laughs> and they don't like when I do that kind of thing. Anyway, this person says, uh, I followed your work over a decade and this doesn't seem to be an accurate summation of your view. That's correct, it's not. So let me ask you on your view. Uh, you ought not murder true independent of a personal, that doesn't make any sense, goals, wants, or aversions. We ought not murder because it goes against the character of God, that's why. God is the ultimate standard of all righteousness. Uh, or I ought follow Christ is true independent of what I want. Yeah, that's true. You ought to. It has no bearing on whether you want to or not. It's a truth value that rests in the nature and heart of God. Or are such utterances on your view non-cognitive expressions of desire for human beings to engage in non-engaged in given activity? That would have to be ferreted out as a question. Let's see. By the way, within this email, what I meant by categorical imperatives is an ought that isn't contingent upon subjective goals or preferences. He's what he's talking about here: the idea of uh, of categorical and moral categories and imperatives deals with uh, oughts that ought to be done, things that ought to be done. Why? Because there's some inherent value within them. But that's problematic. How do you have an inherent, inherent moral value in something? Because of what I perceive and what someone else may perceive as an inherent moral value in an action or an attitude does not mean that it does have a moral value. The only way that I can see justifying a universal moral value is if there's a universal mind, God, who is behind all things and that the universal moral emanates and is revealed out of his character. And therefore, we are the ones who are obligated simply because it's true that we are then obligated to do what is morally correct. That's why he says you shall not lie, you shall not murder, because God cannot do these things. It's against his character. So I teach that the morality rests in the heart and the mind of God. It's universally true and that whether you agree with it or not is irrelevant because the truth is not uh, dependent upon your desires. So he goes on, he says, I just mean a moral imperative rather than a hypothetical imperative. I want X, I ought to do Y. Now that's just, see that's kind of a logical cognition issue and then there's, there's different kinds of habit one uh, or different kinds of knowledge. One is habitual knowledge, one is logical knowledge, one is intuitional and so you know, we got to get into that kind of stuff. Don't you believe that, that God bridges the is-ought in such a way that makes a statement like you ought to obey God, true, and propositional, independent of an if clause? Yes, because the is-ought gap. It's either. Here's the thing, is that uh, the is-ought gap, this is what is, and therefore you ought to do something. So there is a, uh, a woman uh, who is in a wheelchair, or, you know, she's really uh, decrepit, whatever. And she's sitting or looking down at the flat tire on her car. You ought to stop and help her. That kind of thing. It's what is an ought. It's called the is-ought relationship and the atheists can't bridge the is-ought camp. Because uh, they can't. They don't have a universal is-ought relationship. Hey, folks, there's the music. We'll be right back after. These messages, please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Hey, just want to let you know that we stay on the air by your support. Please consider supporting us. All you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate. And uh, right there, all the information you need is right there. We ask $5 a month. Hopefully that's not too much for you. And that uh, with enough uh, people donating $5 a month, we can then... Uh, meet our bills and we're definitely trying to do that in this difficult and increasingly difficult world where eggs are uh, becoming more expensive gasoline is too if you could squeeze five dollars out of that to help this ministry continue and preach the gospel and defend the christian faith that would be greatly appreciated carm.org forward slash um uh donate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's right there. All right, so I'm going to finish reading this email. hope it wasn't too heady. These are some of the conversations I will have with atheists on these kind of topics. And this guy goes on when he says one last thing. He says, he's not trying to argue. He's just trying to make sure that uh, he understands my metaethics. Metaethics are the conditions by which that must exist and the presuppositions before an ethical uh, uh, construct is, is, uh, is, is developed. So he says... Um, uh, I suspect he's misrepresenting you, and he was. Yeah, this guy was. Uh, in other words, I think he doesn't have a way to bridge the is op gap, and he doesn't. Atheists don't, and is thus attempting to redefine moral realism. Realism is the view that there are actual things like morals that they actually exist. Moral realism and um, stuff like that. As a and this gets into it, there's different kinds of moral realism too. It gets tough. And anyway, he says he's trying to redefine moral realism as a system of hypothetical imperatives so that he can then try pull a Sam Harrison, I would agree. So, uh, yeah, good for you, buddy. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's get to Ernie. Ernie says, I was curious about your opinion on partial preterism. He's been reading stuff. Here's, uh, I, I'm a, I do hold to partial preterism myself. It's within orthodoxy. Full preterism is not. Full preterism says that every event that is talked about in Matthew 24, Luke 17, Matthew, uh, Mark 13, the idea of the return of Christ, destruction of Jerusalem, uh, all this, the rapture, all of this, the various things that you interpret different ways, all of it occurred by 70 AD, and it did not. Because you can go to first, uh, you go to Acts chapter 1, verses 9-11, through 11, and very clearly what happens there is the prophecy of Jesus' return is from the clouds uh, as he descends, not in the armies of Jerusalem. So that right there refutes full preterism partial preterism uh says that that uh that christ did not return uh, fully and completely uh, as he said he was as the bible said he was and other things that there's going to be a, a double fulfillment kind of thing so that's within orthodoxy let's get to let's see matt hayes hey how about that we have been reading acts and in several chapters uh they seem to, to expect the filling of the holy spirit will i speak on that Whew. The filling of the Holy Spirit is understood in different ways uh, in church contexts. Some would hold that the filling of the Holy Spirit is a low-level kind of expression where the God now has regenerated you. Others will say it is the manifestation of the speaking in tongues and, and stuff. Now, what's interesting is that to, when you pour something into a cup, you fill the cup up. So let's talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm wondering uh, if there's actually a a phrase. Now I'm curious. Let's see. Fill. Uh, Fill of the Holy Spirit. Be full, be filled. I wonder if there's a verse like that. Because, listen, I think there is. I can't remember off the top of my head where that would be the case. Filled. Let me see if I can do this. I'm going to try this one more time. Let's see. Fill and Spirit. And see if I can get that to come up. Yeah. Uh, Luke one fifteen, 15 uh, he says drink no wine or liquor he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and um, Acts 2 they will be filled with the Holy Spirit that's right of course filled with the Holy Spirit okay so the issue here is the pouring because the Holy Spirit is poured this is what the Bible talks about and we can go to uh, let's see Joel 2.28 the prophecy is and it will come about after this uh, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and in verse 29 I will pour out my spirit in those days that's interesting I just saw something that's interesting hmm. so I'm going to go to Acts 2 17 I'm going to read this that's what it says it just kind of occurred to me and uh it shall be in the last days god says i'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind not just the jews but it was the jews in the upper room who had the holy spirit poured out upon them and the gentiles had the holy spirit poured out upon them also. Now, the reason I say that is because that's what the Bible says. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured, and in Acts chapter 10, uh, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, Acts 10.45. So that's consistent. Good, okay. I was just thinking about something. So nevertheless, the issue of the Holy Spirit is poured, which would be consistent with the idea of being filled. So pouring is an action of God of the Holy Spirit, Upon and into a person, this is reminiscent of the uh, way that the Bible would talk in the Old Testament about the pouring of the Spirit. So, if I do a a search for pour and Spirit, uh, there's lots of places. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit on you. Proverbs one twenty three, and um, Isaiah until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, Isaiah 32, 15. And uh, uh, 44, 3, I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring. Lamentations, no, that's a different kind of Spirit there. And Ezekiel, now pour, uh, see, for I will have poured out my Spirit on the house of Israel. And it goes on and on and on. There's lots of instances like this. So the point is that the Holy Spirit is poured. Now this is important for a lot of reasons. Now think about this. Okay, think about this. Because if you go to Acts one five, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That baptism of the Holy Spirit has to be a pouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. That's what it has to be, because that's how the 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 prophecies of the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon an individual is by the pouring. Now this, but that's what it says. As a friend of mine mocks me and says, "That's what it says." that's what it says right there okay so the reason I bring this up is because if the Holy Spirit is poured and that's Acts two, 28, uh, with Acts, I mean, me, Joel 2 twenty eight twenty nine, 29 with actual I mean assuming Joel 2 with Acts uh, 1 or Acts two seventeen and 18 and also with uh, let's see I think it was uh, Acts 10 47? I'm trying to remember all these verses uh, 45 yes 45 and so if that's how the Holy Spirit's received, by a pouring, and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, then the word baptism there means pouring. That's what it means. Maybe people I can just see people right now drinking coffee, spitting out in the air. What? What did you just say? How dare you say baptism means pouring? Well, right there it does. John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's told to be poured. That's how it is. My voice is getting high. i got to be careful here. I won't talk like a like a really excited person. But uh, sometimes I'll do that when I talk to my wife and I'll say something in a high voice. I go, that's my girl voice. Sorry about that. Let me get, let me get back into character. And uh, so, uh, anyway, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. I've just taken tangents here, but John baptized with water. He immersed you with water, but you'll be baptized. You'll be poured with the Holy Spirit. Or would it be better to say John poured water on you for your baptism? You'll be the Holy Spirit be poured upon you. Ooh. Which one makes more sense? Well, I know which one makes more sense to me. All right. Not that I'm the one who's true and right, but that's uh, that's what I believe. All right. Let me see if I can get back into another email. Because this is kind of an interesting Friday. You know, we're just going through stuff, and I'd love that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. First of all, then, I urge that requests be made, expression of thanksgiving, on all people. Yes. Good and acceptable. If God wants all people to go to heaven, has he failed? <laughs> or is it? No, uh, he hasn't failed because the word all means what it means in context. And so um, if people want, it's a lot of things. We don't have much time to get into this, so I'm going to say it quickly. The people will go to, uh, for example, uh, they'll go to, uh, let's see, they'll go to Second Peter 3, uh, I think it's 3.9. And uh, get over there. Come on, get in there. Nine, three, nine. The word says uh, God is not slow in patience, but is uh, patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now I'm going to say this quickly because we don't have a whole bunch of time, but not too fast. So people will say, quote this verse, and I'll say, I agree with the verse. I do, because there's different senses in which the verse can be understood, and actually God can desire one thing and arrange another. Now, that's a concept people are not familiar with. They go, that's contradictory. No, it's not. And I can prove it from the Old Testament, where God desires one thing, but he arranges something contrary, because there's different levels of his desires and what he wants to accomplish. This is a fact. I have to teach people the concepts. I read them the scriptures. I say, am I right? And "Uh, yes. They don't like admitting it, and I show it to them. It's not a a double-mindedness in God. It's uh, that he can have a desire, but doesn't arrange everything. You know, I can desire to just hug my daughter, but what I'll do might be something different if I need to correct her on something, You know, that kind of a thing. And so uh, for all to come to repentance, and I'll say, okay, so he wants every individual to come to repentance? And I'll say, of course. I say, then why does Jesus speak in parables? Because Mark 4, 10 to 12, he speaks in parables, so people will not be saved. That's when you can just hear the monkey wrench falling into the gear shaft and... <laughs> and uh, they're not sure what to do at that point and uh, then they say what verse and then I show it to them and I say look I'm trying to tell you that you have to understand all of scripture there is a way to make all of it work if you were to look at all of it but if you look at one verse and say that's just how it is well then you've got problems furthermore I can show you for example I set people up at this point I'll say can I set you up I want to show you something I want to set you up and they'll say go ahead and I say, good I said, if is it the case that whenever anyone is said to have died with Christ uh, or died to sin it's only believers right? Yes, okay, good And I go to second Corinthians 5:14 and I say this I read them read it for the love of Christ controls us having concluded this that one died for all see and they go, see he died for everybody you're a stupid Calvinist you're a stupid Calvinist! <laughs> <laughs> I said, It's awesome. And uh and then I'll say, Well, what, can I read the rest of the verse? <laughs> and I, one died for all, therefore all died. I say, Who's the all who died? Then they're not sure what to say. He died for all, therefore all died. Well we find all died. We find that phrase, those who've died in relationship to Christ, it's only the believers. <gasps> uh oh. So who's he talking about when he said he died for all? Who's the all? And if you go to John 6.37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And I say, there's I can go to other verses, you know, Romans 5.18. The result of justification of life to all men. And I get into stuff and I, I do a study on this, on the all and how God uses the word differently than we do and i try and teach christians this in varying bible studies and different teaching context and i say look i want you to see another option right out of scripture and most times people are are not ready for that but when they hear it they say man that's interesting i never saw that before i said okay good now now make it all work and uh so we're out of time and natasha wish i'd have seen your call coming in two minutes ago but uh sorry about that the characteristics of the Trinity, call back on Monday. Let's talk about that because that's an important question, important issue. May the Lord bless you, everybody. Have a great weekend by his grace and by his grace. Oh, not on Monday, I don't think. Because we have a holiday or something
0: like that. Anyway, God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.